Hey friends, it's Jana and Ashley. Welcome back to Season 3 of the Geek Girls Universe Podcast, your home for the latest entertainment and fandom news. Hey friends, welcome back to the Geek Girls Universe. Episode 1 of Marvel's What If is streaming on Disney+. Plus. We learn what would have happened if Peggy Carter took the super soldier serum instead of Steve Rogers. Bucky had jokes, and a certain event from 2012 looks a wee bit different. This is your spoiler warning if you haven't seen episode one of What If. And if you haven't, what are you waiting for? But first, if you're new here, or you haven't already, we would love it if you've subscribed and left us a rating on Apple Podcasts, or wherever it is that you're listening from. It helps our podcast reach other geeks, and the more the geekier, right? We also have a Facebook group, Geek Girls Universe. You don't have to be a girl to join, only a geek. So, Ashley, (laughs) for real, Marvel's What If, I mean... The possibilities are basically endless. Yes. And as the watcher would like to say, one choice could change everything. Something along those lines. And that <sighs> is for sure what happens in this episode. Wow. I mean, just wow. And I'm here this for is... it. Captain yeah. Carter? Yes, please. Yes. I, I would love a live action spinoff of this episode. <sighs> oh, my Yes. It is the live action that we all need. Actually, to be fair, I want to spin off live action of the first three episodes, although the second one we can't have because, unfortunately, Chadwick's no longer with us. But uh, So true. That is Anyways, that, uh, mm. we'll cry about that Moving one next on, week. we'll cry about that one next week. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. Uh, Moving but in on the meantime, to... we should do a breakdown because... Before we break down, yes. <laughs> yes, 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 pun intended. Yes. Oh, so yeah, let's get into it. Let's share oh. what you have for us and uh, maybe some Easter eggs along the way. For sure, and there's yeah, definitely let's, some. Yeah, let's talk about how awesome this episode was and how, I mean, we talked a little bit last episode of the podcast of the potential for this series in general, but I think we can talk a little bit more like realistically about that now that it's actually dropped because we weren't allowed to talk about, you know, spoilers and such last time around. So yeah. Yeah. Let's get into it. All right. So what if Captain Carter were the first Avenger? What would happen? Well, we're going to learn. The watcher begins. He narrates every episode. He is, as Jeffrey Wright put it, he is all of us. He is the ultimate fanboy of the Marvel universe. And he is our guide through this process. So he tells the story of Steve Rogers becoming Captain America and how he saved the world from Red Skull and eventually the universe from Thanos. Well, that's what happened in one timeline. However, in this one, a Nexus event occurred that created a whole other superhero. Instead of Peggy leaving the floor... During Steve's transformation, she chooses to stay. This is her nexus event. She sees that sabotage that is about to take place. She manages to stop Red Skull's operative, but Steve was injured. Someone needed to take his place. It was a now or never situation. And out of everybody in the room, I think we can all agree, Peggy Carter was the only choice to take the super soldier serum. So she takes it. And out comes Captain Carter. 
So just like in the first Avenger, we see the, you know, that machine open. She's slightly taller. She's definitely got some muscles now. Um, as Steve says later on in the episode, her outside now matches her inside because she's always been a fighter. And we know this. Even our Peggy in our universe is definitely a fighter and not somebody you want to mess with. So they're taking her blood. Colonel Flynn is complaining that he wanted an army and all he got was this person. And just like Steve, Peggy is not allowed to fight in the war. Now, for those who are super nerdy and have read the Marvel one-shots or seen the Marvel one-shots, Colonel Flynn is from the Agent Carter one-shot. He is not in the original movie. Then we see another callback to Steve, this time from his time in the Avengers. Peggy knocks off a punching bag. It's not quite as satisfying to watch as Chris Evans punching a punching bag, but hey, this is a cartoon, so we're going to keep it PG. <laughs> Instead of, uh, you know, you have nothing to add to that, Jana? I mean, it can't be inappropriate <laughs> because we're a G-rated, uh, yeah. We are family-friendly. I mean, you friendly. could say it and then we could, like, put the bleep in, but, you know, that's effort. I'm just saying, you didn't, there wasn't that, like, nice <laughs> shot of America's, There was no you know, America's, mm, nope, no America's, mm-hmm. there was no mm-hmm. America's anything. Nope. No, nope, nope, so. none of that. It's kind of, I mean, yeah, no, you can't really do that. So if I had to rate it, I'd, I would pick uh, Steve's version <laughs> of that scene over hers. <laughs> I mean, for I almost you know, spilled my coffee. Aesthetic reasons, <laughs> totally. Um, Dead. <laughs> G-rated reasons. I would pick that scene. Just all right. Anyways. <laughs> There's our first tangent of season three, folks. Our very first tangent. Aspirated coffee. (laughs) 10 out of 10. Don't recommend. (laughs) Is that why you muted? Because you were choking to death? Yes. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I couldn't help it. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. All right. Dead. Moving on. Moving on. All right, so Peggy is complaining that she can't fight. I'm a little sweaty right now, too. Weird. <laughs> so is that because it's hot in New York or because you're I imagining is, Steve Rogers punching a punching bag? <laughs> yes, that one. I'm imagining the sweat dripping in that scene right now. So thank you, Ashley. <laughs> you are welcome. I am here for you. To I help appreciate you get that. The day. <laughs> All right, let's try to focus. And go back to what if. <laughs> All right. Peggy's complaining she can't fight. And Steve says, well, at least you don't have to go on those dumb USO tours and wear funny costumes. I.e. what he had to do. I was kind of hoping for like a little breakout number via Alan Menken, but it didn't happen. Uh, we see that Red Skull is in Germany. He has found the Tesseract. Flynn refuses to send in. He's like, I'm not risking any man, which, of course, we all knew what was coming. Well, I'm not a man, am I? So I'll go in there and handle business. And she does. So she gets her new uniform, which is an adjustment to her USO uniform that apparently she refused to wear. And she gets the vibranium shield. Now, her shield doesn't have the American flag style on it. It's got the Britain flag. 
Her uniform also re- resembles that of Captain Britain. Yes, that is a thing in the comics. There is a Captain Britain. He does not carry a shield, though, so that's her, her Steve Rogers take. And Homegirl takes out an entire group of German soldiers, captures Arnim and Zola, brings back the Tesseract. She even does her own superhero landing with the shield. That whole scene, I was here for it. It was awesome. I was like, get it, girl. Kick some butt. Kick some it butt. It was super good. I, you know, I I loved her taking names and kicking butt and like the whole, every time she did, I was like, yes, Peggy. Yes. Heck yeah. Uh, so Steve wants to save Bucky and the rest of the 107th Division, which includes our friends, the Howling Commandos. Air support arrives in the form of Steve Rogers in the Hydra Stomper. Now, this is a very similar to the an Iron Man suit. Obviously, Howard Stark made it. The Tesseract is powering it. So we get our very first Iron Man suit that is not made by Tony. Which uh, one of our friends on our Twitter party, so if you don't know, we we chat weekly about Marvel. And since these shows are debuting on Wednesday, we've moved our normal hashtag Marvel Mondays to Wednesdays at noon Eastern time to talk about the show. Somebody suggested that perhaps Tony had seen these plans for a suit. And that's why they look so similar to Tony's Iron Man suits. So, I mean, what if, right? What if Howard had shown it to Tony? It seems plausible. It was a little disconcerting, disconcerting for me, I guess, as a team, like team cap through and through, like I bleed team cap (laughs) and just to Mm -hmm. see Steve Rogers in an Iron Man suit. It was a little like, all right, I got to get used to this for a second because, you know, again, it's like, I just, ugh, ugh. I think the only thing that made it a touch easier is that it's not Chris Evans' voice. True. And while it is a Stark Industries type tech, it's not actually Iron Man because we don't see Iron Man at the beginning. It's Howard Stark. Right. Right? So, like, it's still Stark, but it's not Tony. It was a bit like when Captain America in the comics, and they did kind of play off of this in Endgame, when he's a Hydra agent for a while. It's just kind of Mm -hmm. weird. Yeah. Maybe not as bad as him hailing Hydra, but I mean, it's still... Yes, yes. It was awkward for a minute. I had to... It it is. Yeah, it's a little disconcerting. (laughs) I just kind of push it aside and go, yeah, Peggy. Yes. All right. Peggy, let's hear it for Captain Carter. So that's a line throwback to the first Avenger. Bucky says it about Steve. He's saying it about Peggy. Cut to Peggy of a montage of Peggy just kicking rear end. It's awesome. And then, of course, that bleepity bleep bleep. Colonel Flynn is all, oh, my God, I was telling my idea. I've never doubted her. You know, a typical toxic male in power taking credit for people's work. Not just Peggy, by the way. He was also taking credit for Howard Stark making the Hydra Stomper. It's, it was my idea. Sure. Sure. Whatever. Uh, he, his character drives me nuts, but I love the voice. Like, I love Bradley Whitford. I think he's super talented, and I love his voice. But it's very distinct, which is why, like, it jumped out at me. 
but he's in The Handmaid's Tale right now, and so he he plays. I, mean, I guess he's technically a bad guy, but he's kind of a good guy. I don't know. He's he's a something, but he plays uh he plays Commander Lawrence, and um like he's a bad guy because mo- like all the commanders basically are, but he's he's like maybe the least bad of them, and he actually kind of like underhandedly like helps some of the handmaids get out and try to make their lives better because like he knows he's stuck where he is and he realizes he's kind of maybe made poor decisions and maybe Gilead's not the right choice so yeah he basically is like the one that invented the idea of the Gilead but then realizes it's a crap decision (laughs) but he can't really just be like oh hey let's not do this but anyway it's it's his voice and I like I recognized it I was like oh that's Bradley Whitford and I was like huh cool it's like yeah his his lines in the that show are pretty funny Oh, I asked for an army and I got a girl. Yeah. Ew, girl. I was like, he was like, you're lucky you have a seat. You're lucky you're even in this room. Oh, I know. Total tool. <laughs> so Red Skull does his big old, you know, face peeling reveal to a chorus of Hail Hydra. Steve and Peggy are sharing a drink. And they're kind of having this whole conversation about being a superhero. And like I said, Steve's like, you know, now the outside matches the inside. And I'd like to to the little caveat here for two things. One, because that line of Tony, see, this is why I just like can't get past Tony Stark when he's like, anything special about you came out of a bottle. Untrue. Because for a million reasons in our universe, but let's look at this one. Steve still <laughs> sickly. Not only is he sickly, he was shot by the Hydra agent and Injured to the point where he generally walks with a... He had to, like, relearn how to walk, it seems. He's walking with a cane. He's still doing what he can do. He's in the suit. Mm-hmm. Because that's how he can fight. Because he still wants... He doesn't like bullies. Even sickly, about to, like, die if the wind blows too hard, Steve Rogers still wants to take on the Nazis and Red Skull. So, yeah. Take seat, Tony Stark. Take a seat. I mean, honestly, Tony Stark has needed to take a seat since day one. But Uh, that's just my opinion. Okay. So (laughs) that was my caveat, number one. Number two. So I saw some people on Twitter kind of complaining that Peggy seemed ultimately stronger than Steve. But let's think about that for a second. The serum amplifies what's inside, right? Not just personality, but I would assume your general health anyway. So with Steve, the serum had to cure him of, I mean, baby boy had a laundry list of things wrong with him. If you go back and watch Peggy, however, seemed to be healthy, a healthy young woman. So I think she could generally be stronger than him, at least in the very beginning, because she was never sick to begin with. So it didn't off put me and I'm a massive Captain America, Steve Rogers fan. So if I'm okay with it, then fan boys, emphasis on the boy, need to take some seats. Because mm-hmm, they're not fan men, that's for sure. That is for sure. Okay, so moving on. I had to, I had to say it. <laughs> um, so then we get to the train scene. Right? This is the scene that we know where Bucky dies, essentially, in the first Avenger. However, we have a very different outcome. Steve 
uh, flies down in the suit to stop the train. Bucky starts to slide off the train as him and the Helen Commandos and uh, Peggy like glided down on the zip line thing. And she grabs him, pulls him up. And he's like, oh, you almost ripped my arm off. And I was like, oh, funny, but like also not funny. Because <laughs> um, obviously that's what happens. Another one. But instead of Bucky dying this time, it's Steve that dies as the train explodes. Which, you know, I had to like have a moment. I'm like, what? Don't kill off my baby Steve Rogers. Even in his sickly form, don't kill him off. How dare you, Marvel? How dare you? Uh, so the rest of the team head to Castle de Crake in the Black Forest to take on Red Skull. Because what Red Skull did with that train thing, he blew it up to get the suit because he wants the Tesseract. That was his way to get it back and to use it to open a portal. Because he says he's going to bring out a real monster for the glory of Hydra or whatever. You know, whatever. Put in your own dictator speech there. Um, Bucky discovers that Steve is alive, praise, (laughs) and a captive of Red Skull. This made me laugh, too, because Howard, Howard and Peggy, they all split up. So Howard and Peggy go one way, go high. Bucky and the commandos go low. Bucky finds Steve. Howard wants to know what the plan is. Peggy says she doesn't need a plan. She has the shield. And so I guess unlike Tony, Howard likes to have a plan. One more way that Howard Stark is slightly better than his son. And I say slightly because I feel like he probably wasn't the best father. Based on his playboy ways. I could be wrong. Anyways. I'm, I'm waiting all the Iron Man hate tweets from this episode <laughs> how dare you talk about tony and howard in this way um i mean so, people <laughs> yeah well bucky, they need lives so, so throughout this episode first of all we have 40s bucky which i'm here for and could i could use a whole series of just bucky being in the 1940s sebastian stan being in the 1940s he's got these crazy one-liners that are hilarious because remember this isn't the Bucky that's been tortured and made into the servant of Hydra. He actually still has his like happy go lucky kind of snarky personality that we know of him at the first Avenger. But yeah, he's like, come on, Steve, like let's do this. And then Steve falls over and he's like, I'm all right. I'm all right. You know, and Bucky goes good because we don't have all day, which of course made me laugh because obviously there's that line, right? I can do this all day. Apparently, Steve can still do it all day. He just needs a suit to help him. So then we get this portal and this beast with tentacles. Now, they don't name the beast, but it's very similar to the Abelisk, which is that thing in the beginning of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. It's also kind of similar to the Shumagora, which is another beast uh, from the comics. Also, if you're a gamer, it was in Marvel vs. Capcom. But we don't really know which one it is, right? We're just kind of hypothesizing based on what it looked like. Right. So I, if I had to pick between the between every option, I think those are my two highest. Yeah. Um, and I think for MCU continuity, it's probably more likely if I had to pick between these two, the Abelisk. But who knows? Um, so Peggy pulls out a sword because that's the best way to fight something with tentacles, not a shield, but a sword. That's another callback to Captain Britain, because like I said, he doesn't carry a shield. He actually carries a sword. Very, you know, British knightly of him. 
Peggy sacrifices herself this time. So it's not Steve sacrificing. It's Peggy. She tells him she owes him a dance. She pushes the beef back into the portal. Everything closes. And that's it. The Tesseract is still sitting there, though. So it's not like with Steve where the Tesseract was buried in ice somewhere. This was sitting out for S.H.I.E.L.D., a.k.a. Howard Stark, to, like, pick back up and use. We fast forward to 2012 when that Avengers scene, when that portal opens with the Tesseract because Fury and S.H.I.E.L.D. are messing with it. Fury and Hawkeye are standing there as this portal opens and now we think Loki might pop out, but it's actually not. Some like dead tentacles jump out and then Captain Carter. And he's like, ma'am, put the sword down. And Hawkeye's like, uh, that's Captain Carter. And so she asks, of course, about Steve and the war. And Fury's like, I hate to tell you this, but that was over 70 years ago. And she's like, I, I, you know, flabbergasted. He asks if she's fine. She says that she is. I mean, but she can't really be fine because that whole right. processing moment of like, what am I going to do? I feel like in that moment, <laughs> right. her brain just was like, we're going to shut down and we'll be, we're just going to be inside of ourselves for a while to figure uh-huh. out what is happening here. And that is the end like, of the episode. Yes. I mean, it's kind of funny because it's like, I mean, obviously, that's a callback to another, you know, moment in the MCU. But yeah, ma'am, <laughs> that war was 70 years ago. And it's like, she's like, huh? What? Um... Yeah. But I feel like she kept her cool. I mean, you know, I've been, she, her cartoon character kept her cool. Her animated character kept her cool. But um, yeah, I would definitely be a little discombobulated if I uh, popped out of a oh, just a bit, you know, giant portal and somebody <laughs> was like, um, oh no, sorry, that ended seventy years ago. Can I help you? <laughs> and the love of your life is dead. So yes, yeah. well that too. But that how too. are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> how are you doing with how that? How you doing? How you doing? <laughs> how are you doing with that information that you just got five seconds ago? Are you good? Are we good? Yeah. No, she. So the thing is, is that um, this is an anthology series because kind of like uh, the Twilight Zone, they're meant to be standalone episodes. However, as we were told in the interview, they do kind of go together. One, of course, the Watcher is in every episode. And two, Captain Carter is supposed to be a very important character for this series. So I have a feeling we'll see her show up again. Because now she's in 2012, right? So she could be in 2012 in another storyline somewhere down the road. And uh-huh. we know that we're getting a season two. So I feel like each of these episodes that ends on a cliffhanger of some sort will at least, at the very least, be explored in season two. Right. So. Oh, yes. Lots of things going on. Um Next week gets even, there's even more to talk about next week. Oh, yes. And emotions to feel next week. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to just skip those. I'm going to bury them down inside of me. Like, I Are you going to try? Because I feel, <laughs> I feel like I was, I did that too. And then when I was writing my review, so I got emotional. We got emotional in the interview. We'll be completely honest. Both of us were emotional in the interview, as was everyone else participating. Um, 
I don't know. I don't know about you, but I got emotional writing up that interview because same reasons, right? <laughs> like having to read through their words about Chadwick again. I'm just like, oh, and then three well, writing I'm my seeing... review. I got emotional writing the review when I got to episode two. I was like, oh, yeah. And seeing so their feels. faces, like I think just reading it was one thing, but actually like listening to them and seeing their faces. um, Right, and that, hearing the voices crack. like uh, That was hardest for me. Like, if I was just reading it, I think I would have been fine, but it was, like, actually listening and, like, hearing them and the voices. I was like, oh, are you kidding me? Why are you crying in front of me? Like, Don't cry. Stop it. <laughs> yeah, that was I, was, I was fine until then, actually. And by fine, I mean, like, I was good burying things until then. <laughs> Shoving it down. Keep shoving. <laughs> shoving it down as far as it goes. Because <laughs> yep. we all know Jana doesn't do emotions. <laughs> uh, same. Emotions are ill. <laughs> yep. Emotions. What the hell are emotions? Yeah. Yeah. But no, yeah, it was um it was basically impossible to continue to ignore them when people were like, yes crying and voice cracking and red eyes with like these things were like starting to drip out of them and they were getting like swollen and red and wool like welling up what was happening on the screen (laughs) no i was like you stop it right now Uh... yes But yeah, so that's right. Next week, we'll be back and we'll be discussing What If Episode 2. And that revolves around what if Yondu took the wrong kid and T'Challa becomes Star-Lord, not Peter Quill. It was maybe the funniest. I think it's the most funniest em- of the three that we've seen. It's the most emotional of all the emotions, right? Like there was, there were definitely those emotions that we're not going to talk about emotions. And then like the funny <laughs> emotions also, like... That episode definitely made me laugh. Like, yes, I and that's what's so funny is that as it was an emotional episode for them to write to complete, yes. I should say, um, for the production team and the director and stuff. And it was emotional to hear them talk about it, and it's emotional to watch knowing that obviously this is Chadwick's last performance as T'Challa and 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 general, but. Again, it's like the irony. It is the funniest of the first three episodes. So it, it was like super funny. So you're yes, like going back and forth between. Time. It's like mm-hmm. an emotional tug of war of I'm happy, yeah. I'm sad, I'm happy, I'm sad. And yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it was a good one. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about that next week because it was a, yeah, it was a good one. Same, same. I'm excited, I'm excited to watch it again, actually. Oh, yeah, me too, for sure. Because, you know, we can't right now. <laughs> not until Wednesday. That's fine. Well, friends, thank you for tuning into this episode of the Geek Girls Universe podcast. Join us next week as we share everything exciting about What If episode number two. In the meantime, if you have anything you want to share, tag us on Twitter at Whiskey and Sunshine and that Ashley Aaron. Until next time, geeks. Bye. Thanks for listening. Join us next time for more geeky goodness.